Well, good evening to all of you. Corbin 
would you stop? We just wanted normal. Can you just smile? So, and then you go to the next one. Smile. Look normal. And finally, the next one.
in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Humans are the only creatures created in God's image. Do you hear that? Image is everything because we were created in God's image. If you go back to scripture, you see that we are the ones blessed in the creation account. And then that pattern, God saw that all that he had made and it was good, that changes after he creates humans. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 31 in Genesis, that pattern changes. God saw all that he had made, and at this point he's finding men, women, men, in his image, and it was very good. Image is not a negative thing if we understand it in the correct context. It was very good. We are very good. We are God's image bearers. So perhaps our understanding of image has been distorted very early on. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Korean-American immigrant church. And what I understood Christians to be in my Sunday school classes with the little like felt boards where the, you know, apparently some of you know too, that all of God's people were perfect. They were perfect. They were blonde, stuck to the felt, and they were they were unflawed, did everything right, obeyed God every chance they had. And that was a huge, difficult, frustrating image to live up to. So we have to go back and understand that when we talk about image in pop culture, it's very negative, right? It's a lot of work. But for those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ, Image is everything, and it is a good thing. I bear God's image in who I am. One person in scripture I find fascinating is Esther. There is something about her that intrigues me and fascinates me and scares me and mortifies me because she's a beauty queen pageant winner. So I was watching the news the other day, uh, that show after Nightline on ABC, and they had this little segment on um, it Miss Universe. And uh, Venezuela apparently has produced the most Miss Universes ever. And this, it's, it's kind of this national pastime. I was a little horrified and slightly fascinated. I kept watching. Um, and it, it, Little girls grow up think, wanting to be Miss Venezuela. And they train for it, surgery for it, and they want to become this. And I don't know about you, but when I think beauty pageants, I have all sorts of stereotypes, right? And I also think beauty queen pageant is something I could never be. I could never be. I mean, I could wave, yeah, I could do that, but I could never be. So I love the book of Esther because it forces me to deal and wrestle with some of my stereotypes that I put on to scripture and see what God does 
in transforming and revealing and redeeming a person and a people. So let's go through a little bit of historical background. They had been defeated by the Babylonians and they were living in captivity in Assyria and Babylon. And a few hundred years later, the Jews are they're scattered all over what we call the Middle East. The Jews who lived in Babylon held very tightly to their culture. Very tightly. And I can relate to this as someone who grew up on the north side of Chicago on what would become Koreatown. I grew up, um, came to the States when I was eight months old, only spoke Korean until I started kindergarten. I did not understand a lick of English. It was that tightly knit kind of community that we see Esther growing up in. Babylon eventually follows the context in which Esther is um, opening. The Persians then allow the Jews to go back. They are allowed to go home to Jerusalem. But for some reason, there is a group of Jews who choose to stay. And Esther's family, for a reason that is not explained in scripture, chooses to stay. Uh, Esther is an orphan and has only an uncle to speak on her behalf. And that is how the book of Esther opens. So in chapter 1, we meet King Xerxes. And he is the kind of friend that you all want. Why? Because he throws parties that last 180 days. That is a long party, my friends. For those of you who want to take some time later, an amazing description of the kind of party he throws. That is a good party. So we see a well-appointed palace, a beautiful queen at his side, an extreme display of his wealth. It's kind of like he showed off every single bit that he had. Great wealth, great power, great beauty. This is the image that he's projecting. But the inside eventually comes out. He's quite the partier, and maybe he's a little tipsy, and he wants his queen to kind of, I don't know, take a little walk, show off her beauty, <laughs> traipse around. He wants to show her off, I don't know, like a pony. She's got her own party going on and does not want to be bothered, and she refuses. And this king, who is busy partying for 100 days, 180 days, decides, uh, I guess I shouldn't allow that. What if people start to think that I don't have control over my woman? And so he gets rid of her. Easy as that. He exudes this image of power and wealth and authority, but when it comes down to it, he can't have a conversation with his wife and bullies her and then just kind of gets rid of her and decides he's going to replace her. And this is where we see Esther. Esther's rise to the throne is hardly the damsel in distress meets the great prince or king and is swept off her feet and oh, it's life, you know, happily ever after. There's no winning of the heart. There's essentially a beauty pageant. He wants a trophy bride, right? He's got to replace his first king who apparently was so beautiful that he wanted to show everybody. Now he's got to and find another queen to replace her. So here's Esther. She is an orphan. And again, in that culture, if you are a woman and you have no husband, 
and no father, you have nothing. So she's grateful to have her, and he tells her, you go join this and try out for this beauty pageant. And this is what you do. Don't tell anybody you're Jewish. Don't let anybody know. So apparently, Esther's beauty can cross culture. And she is so beautiful that it is talked about all throughout chapter 2. The girl pleased him and won his favor. She is unlike any of the other concubines. She stands out. And she wins. He immediately provides her with beauty treatments and special food and moves her and her maids into the best place in the harem. She won, right? Special food, all that. Unbelievable. In chapter 2, verse 15, we hear Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Everyone who saw her. So at this point, we know nothing about her internal life. I can't imagine. She's very young. She has no parents to speak of. Now she's in this beauty pageant. She's got to smile. She's got to walk around. She's got to pretend she's not Jewish. All the things that made her who she is, she has to pretend that doesn't exist. But something about how she carries herself and how she presents herself wins favor everyone who sees her. There is this emphasis on the external. She has won the lottery. Lost for five years. Five years. She's going to pretend she's not who she is. Now, I can't fully relate to that. But I grew up hearing the message that it wasn't good enough to be good enough. Okay. Uh, my parents are immigrants. They came for all of the you know, American dream reasons. And the message I heard was, you need to be better than everyone. So don't worry about this part and what you eat and the language you speak. You're going to learn your English. You're going to do You are going to do better. Better than who? You're going to do better than all the white kids. Right? Why? Because that is the way you're going to win. No beauty contest for me. I'm going to be like a math major or something. Right? But growing up in that context, in that pressure, was very difficult. Because I didn't really fit in. I was the first Asian American in my school district. Our parents were pulled aside by the school administrators and they let them know, like, this is new territory. Not that we were in any kind of danger or anything, but it was new and it was different. And I will tell you that there were many, many, why can't I just be like everybody else? Why can't I look like everybody else? Why can't I eat the same foods as everyone else? So at school, the idea was to be just like everyone else. So my double life is not as extreme as Esther's, but for many of us in this room, as I look at you, I'm going to guess that at some point in your life, you have had to pretend that you are not who you are. And that is what Esther did. In chapter 3, we meet a man named Haman. 
And there's no other way to describe his image. I tried. I'm sorry. It was short man. He's got a lot of power, but it's kind of like... So not only do you have to know that I have power, but I want every single one of you to bow down to me so that I know that you know that I have the power. I don't know. That, so if, you, if any of you can come up with a better way to describe that image, please help me out. I kind of got stuck there. He epitomizes the, the phrase, an army of one. You know, he's going to make all of you do what he wants you to do. But there's something about the inside where you go, man, what is your problem? We get that you're important. Clearly, you are one of the king's very important people. Why do you have to make everybody bow down to you? Mordecai refuses to bow down, and this sets off this chain of events. Haman gets a little upset, and instead of just going after Mordecai, he decides he's going to go after all of the Jews. This edict to destroy the Jews is written in every language so that everyone would understand the fine print. We read in chapter 3, verse 12, that on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in script of each province and in the language of each people all Haman's orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces, and the nobles of the various people to bring down and destroy all of the Jews. I think it's interesting here in scripture that we see in a culture where the king has set up that the external images and appearances are so important and valued that the words of pain and destruction and fear and death would be written in every person's heart language so that they would understand. So even if the entire country had this image of wealth and power and authority and not everybody could participate in that, when it came to destroy and to kill and wipe out, that message was written in everybody's heart language so that you would understand that suddenly the differences mattered. Esther is comfortable in the seclusion of royal life. Who wouldn't be? She's got handmaidens and special beauty treatments. It's like spa 24-7. And because she's secluded in her life as a royal, she's, not, she's not unaware of what's going on outside. She doesn't get that her people are in a panic. And so her uncle pulls her aside and sends word. Not identified herself as a Jew. She's not identified herself with who she is and who she's been created to be. But she's comfortable. Being outside of your comfort zone does not always mean you're uncomfortable. We have to be very careful in our Christianese when we say to each other, get out of your comfort zone. There are a lot of you who are outside of your comfort zone, and you are very comfortable because you don't have to interact with the differences, because you choose not to interact with the differences, because you're going to ignore the differences. 
So for Esther, she's still pretending she's not a Jew. She's not sure. Your people are going to die. Your people. You are going to die. And Esther begins to understand something about image. That her crown isn't going to save her. She is still a Jew. It doesn't matter that she's queen. It doesn't matter that she was favored and won the favor of everyone who saw her. She is still the dutiful niece. She is still a Jew. And she is going to have to wrestle with how she's going to integrate. How is she going to put her image back together because she's been so comfortable as queen? God is pushing her to consider all of who she is. So I want all of us to think about what is the image that we are trying to project as individuals and here as a community. Because at one point or another, in order to be effective, you have to stop and take a look at the whole. Esther had to stop and remember, I am a Jewess. I may have stopped eating like one. I may have stopped practicing. I may have stopped praying. I have stopped telling people. It doesn't mean I am not who she is. So take a look at who Esther is and think about who are you and who is the image that you are trying to project. And we land in chapter 4. Mordecai sends word to Esther, and Esther isn't sure what to do. And so she's going to wait. She's going to pray. But before she does that, Mordecai speaks some very firm words to her. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your fresh. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. I'm going to paraphrase. You did great, my favorite and only niece. You have played the part well. You've used what you've got. And you've gotten into a place of special access and power and authority. You're queen now. But you know how I taught you to hide that part so you could get in the door. Now you're in, and you're still Jewish. Your crown can't save you now unless you use the outside of who you are, of who you are. Your role and image as queen doesn't change the fact that you are a Jew. Mordecai is inviting her. God is inviting her to enter in to a work that he's going to do. He's going to save his people regardless, with or without Esther, right? God is God. When he wants to do something, he's going to do something. But the beauty of the God that we love and honor and follow and profess faith in invites us into his great work. He says, be a part of it. And he is inviting Esther into this part. 
if she is open to step into all of who she is. Will Esther use her place of loyal position, her influence, her voice, her place as queen to speak out for her people? Will she align herself with the Jews? Or will she leave that part of who she is behind forever and watch the destruction of her people and her family? You are in a royal position. You guys are kings and queens, heirs to the throne. 1% of the world's population is college educated. 1%. That is an unbelievable thing. The median household income statewide here was $46,549 in 2008. Your tuition in one year is $53,000. Think about that. Now, I know all of you are not writing out an annual check for $53,000, and if you are, I have some fundraising I need to do, so let me talk to you afterwards. But think about that, that what you and others are helping pay for your college education exceeds the median income of the state. You are in a place of royal position. Some of you come from families that value education to be here. And that is a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress. So when that young woman talked about the conversation with the parents about job choices, my heart just, right? Because my parents did everything they could to send me to Northwestern. That was not a small sacrifice. And you know, they were a little disappointed when I said I wanted to be a journalist. Because in their mind, journalist isn't quite lawyer, doctor, engineer. she's a writer and she can communicate and maybe she'll be the next I don't know TV blah 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 I said no 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 not TV writing newspaper wrap fish in packages throw out recycle the next day right okay journalist but maybe you'll go to law school Five years after I graduated from college, five years after being in journalism, I announced to my parents that I was going to come on staff with InterVarsity. <laughs> I was a grown woman with a child, and still I felt like I needed my parents' approval. We are in a place of royal position. My college education is not to be squandered. Yes, saving people for Jesus is important, but maybe law school, maybe. I swear, up until about two years, my mom was still asking me if law school was an option. So who are you, and how has God created you? You are God's image bearers, men and women, white, African-American, Latino, Asian-American,
American First Nations. You are created. So I'm going to ask you, how have you been God's image bearer? Are you living to all of who you are, or are you trying to pretend maybe you're not something? Right? There was a, a long time where I kind of not didn't want to be Asian. I just want to blend in. I just want to blend in. Can't blend in when you're the only Asian American in your school, right? Are you going to identify who you are, how God's created you, in all of the beauty and the flaws, and the good and the beauty to become, and accept God's invitation into his good work? Esther had to understand, with or without her, God was going to save the Jews. But in order for her to participate, she had to reconcile the fact that she was a queen and she was Jewish. And those things had to come together. She could not enter in into God's purposes and pretend that she was just one and not the other. Do you understand that? Image is everything. It is all of who we are, not just the part that we want to project outside. What amazing work is God inviting you into? But what part of you are you going to have to reconcile with you? And for you as a chapter, look at your campus. Look around in this room. What is God doing in your midst? And what is God inviting you into? But what part of you, as individuals and as a chapter, are you trying to ignore? You have to reconcile that. Look around you. I'm going to call it out. What percentage of this chapter is Asian American? A lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Right? Because at 7 o'clock, there were hardly any of you here. Trust me. Yeah, right? But like 45 minutes later when the lights start, oh, look at that. Hello. That's not just college life, my friends. Right? Because I bet some of you were lingering. You were talking with your friends. You were trying to invite people in. Those conversations took precedent over the time large group starts. I get it. I staffed an Asian American chapter for years. I live in Asian American family existence. We tell certain family members that the party starts at 4.30, because it starts at 6. But joking aside, there's something amazing going on here, but you need to be able to say, it is OK. But we have to identify what we do here that is different, unique, And if this isn't what God's calling you to, then identify how you will open up this chapter and this time and the way you do things and the way you communicate, the way you worship, what songs you sing, how you sing them, how you pray, the food you serve, what time you start, how you decide what you're going to do after large group. All of those things you will have to understand. Who are you? 
What is the chapter? And stop and pray about who has God created you to be. I will not apologize for who God has created me to be. I have spent too many years wishing I was a Barbie doll. So I can joke about the funny things that happen in the Asian American context, but it is a blessing. I bring a part of God's image to this place. And it is the same for all of us, men, women, African-American, Latino, Asian-American, First Nations, right? But we have to understand that piece. So think about it. It's okay. It's okay. God did not accidentally create you as Asian-American. But if you pretend that's not who you are, you are telling God it was an accident and I have a better idea. So God invites Esther into an amazing thing. He is going to save his people from destruction. But is she going to join? Will she say she is a part of this? Are you going to say, Lord, I am fill in the blank. All of these things. And in all of that fullness, I will enter into the thing that you are inviting me to. Or will you hide? Will you hesitate? Jesus' name.